Dan Lanning has stressed the importance of the spring game in recruiting. What recruits is he bringing to campus this Saturday? There are some big names, and we'll talk with John Garcia of Sports Illustrated to go down the list of the biggest names. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to and or watching the show right now. All that good stuff. And I couldn't wait to bring him back on. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Recruiting for Sports Illustrated, bringing us tons of insight. You will see him basically every week here on the pod. Let's just jump right in, John. This is a big weekend for Oregon football. They've got the spring game. It's a huge day of athletics, actually. There's events going all day. There's an after party. You know, it looks like a fun time. I'm kind of envious that I can't go, frankly. But there are a number of big-time recruits coming to campus, so let's talk about those guys and who's going to be at the spring game, of which there are, I believe, 23, 24 guys total, but there are some names that stand out above the rest, and we start, as we often will, with quarterbacks. Jaden Rashada is going to be there. What's the latest on his recruiting for, for Oregon football? Yeah, that battle is widening in terms of the pool of contenders for Jaden Rashada. Just picked up Texas A&M uh, during the week, uh, so another big-time powerhouse contender Uh, for his services. But look, Oregon has been in this race from the very beginning. Uh, It's probably the most likely West Coast Pac-12 footprint uh, school in the race for him. Elsewhere, it's Miami, it's Ole Miss, it's Texas A&M. He was at Arkansas last weekend. It's it's very SEC, ACC. So if he does want to say, you know what, I want to stay close to home, Oregon's going to be uh, that program. So it's important for them to get as many visits as possible with Jaden, he's made it known that he wants to see the offense. He wants to see the offensive development at program. And if it's a program going through a transition like Dan Landing at Oregon, this is really the first public sample we're going to get overall of what Oregon may look like in 2022. So naturally, Jaden being there in person, he'll be able to get the full experience, not only what we see in terms of on the field, but he'll be in the quarterback meetings. He'll be in there with Dan Landing. He'll be in there with Kenny Dillingham and that coaching staff as they build the game plan and kind of distribute how they're going to handle spring, uh, spring, the spring game in 2022. So I think that provides a little bit more. Uh, Dillingham's been recruiting him for quite some time, even previously uh, before he got to Oregon. And Oregon as a program was recruiting Rashada, uh, obviously, before they made a coaching uh, staff change as well. So there is a lot of familiarity here. Uh, with Jaden. But like I said, this this pool is widening in terms of the schools that want to get in on uh, maybe the top available quarterback in California. Whenever you have that distinction, it's going to be hot and heavy in recruiting. So every impression uh, that you can get is an important one. And, and to my knowledge, he hasn't taken in many spring games. So I think that's another big advantage for Oregon with Jaden Rashada, who's, uh, again, about as good a quarterback prospect as there is in this class of 2023 and and how could you not look at a school like Oregon uh, going through that transition and thinking, Hey, it's totally new blood there, new philosophy of how they navigate the quarterback room. So getting firsthand knowledge of that, I think will be invaluable in Jaden's recruiting process. Uh, But but it's like I said, hotly contested battle, Ole Miss, Miami certainly feel good at this point. Uh, And then Arkansas, 
maybe looking at it a two quarterback class and, and they would love Rashada to be the their class headliner as well. So a lot to a lot to play there in the Rashada recruitment, uh, but obviously every visit is a big one. So uh, I know returning to Oregon under Dan Landing was something he wanted to do. Uh, the visit got moved around a little bit, but locking it in for the spring game feels like a big deal. Yeah, I said earlier this week, I, I think that the offense is the biggest question mark. Or they're the most exciting thing to see this weekend for Oregon because it's, it is the biggest question mark, right? We, we have a good idea. Dan Lanning has run a defense before Tosh Lupo has run a defense before, but Kenny Dillingham hasn't been the full-time play caller where he's the lead offensive voice on, on his staff. And I think that Rashada being there is, you know, making that all, all the more important this weekend, but a guy that potentially he could be throwing the ball to one day, four star, four star wide receiver also out of the state of California, Jurion Dickey, pride of Valley Christian. Shout out to WCAL. I used to call some games for them back in the day. What, what's the latest on Dickey? Because it looks like that's been a positive trend for, for Oregon and the staff. Yeah, not, not as well-traveled uh, a guy as, as a Jaden Rashada. And Oregon was already one of his most recent visits. So getting him back on campus, I think, says a lot about where uh, Dickey's head is in the recruiting game at this point. Uh, Oregon is, has been a school just like Rashada, where they were recruiting him heavily with the previous staff under Mario Cristobal, and that has just kind of carried over onto the Dan Landing, Kenny Dillingham staff, again, looking at, at offensive targets. And that's, like you said, that's really the, the next frontier for this Oregon roster. You know, we, we've seen them close out 2022 I guess better than any school in the country, right? You know, you're getting the reclassification from Casper at wide receiver. Obviously, you picked up uh, Josh Connerly to wrap up the 2022 class as well. So we've we've seen the offensive momentum start to pick up for the Ducks, but can it translate into the 2023 cycle? And Dickey has been one of these prospects that has, has been known since he was a freshman, right? Since you first saw him, Spencer, he was starting to pick up scholarship offers um but but he's a northern california kid again uh, an important no-brainer territory geographically for oregon to continue to recruit so anytime you get him on campus it's a big deal oregon has long been right in the thick of it uh for jerry on and, and he can absolutely play he's grown a little bit probably six two now uh, as a dominant playmaker on the outside who could beat you with, with the short game, catching something and, and, and making some guys miss, or certainly down the field uh, with a polished style uh, and a physical style at over 200 pounds as well. Big fan of his. Yeah, he's got great speed. As a freshman, he was blowing by guys uh, on, on the varsity level. He was a, a total, total speedster for him. One guy, another Pacific Northwest kid. I know California is not Pacific Northwest, but it's you know West, West Coast base. That, that I want to touch on before we get to the defensive linemen. Riley Williams, the the four-star tight end, kind of the, the biggest recruit in-state for the Ducks in 2023, the tight end from Central Catholic. Where are the Ducks at with him? you got to win the in-state battles. And I know it was tough last year given the transition, right? Darius Clemens ends up at Michigan. Uh, pretty tough, pretty tough to swallow there for Duck fans. So Riley's got to be the counter to that. Like, hey, this is the first full class under Dan Lanning. you got to nail uh, this one. But it's tough when – the local kid is a national recruit earlier, even than Darius's breakout uh, on the recruiting front. So I think that's where it's going to be tougher uh, with Riley Williams. Portland kid, uh, everybody knows about him. Big tight end, good athlete, uh, the, the type that it fits the modern day mold, right, where he can block for you. But really, he's extremely comfortable off the line of scrimmage as basically a, a jumbo sized wide receiver. And that's why his offer list has stretched well beyond 20 schools. 
everybody uh, wants a piece uh, of him. So him coming back home for the spring game, again, it's still a big deal. You know, I think when you talk about in-state recruits, Oregon has had a ton of success, as you would imagine, over the years. Um, but it's not a given that these kids are going to visit your school for a spring game. You know, there's there's a good slate of spring games nationally this weekend at Notre Dame, LSU, Ole Miss. There's a lot of schools uh, coast to coast that are going to be putting on some kind of showcase. So it still does say, say a lot when a kid says, you know what, I'm just going to you know drive down the road uh, to Eugene uh, to check in uh, with the Ducks one more time. So you expect the Ducks to be in this recruitment all the way through. And I think they're, they're hitting the right notes with Riley through the transition. Again, another Dillingham target. Um, and, and again, pass catchers, you start to pair them with quarterbacks, get them on campus together like you will Riley Williams, Dickey and Rashada. Now they all can kind of hang out a little bit and say, hey, you know, what if we all come here? You know, don't underestimate that in the recruiting game. You know, peer recruiting because of the pandemic has, has really become a big deal on the recruiting trail. So it's not even just about the individual visits you can bring in. How do you stack them with other priority targets that are similar, whether they're on the same side of the football, from the same area, uh, et cetera, because these kids talk to each other uh, every day, basically. So that, that's another important element of stacking such a big visitor weekend like the Ducks have been able to do. Well, those are some of the biggest offensive targets that will be in Austin for the spring game this weekend. Who are the defensive targets? I'll tell you after I talk to you about Built Bar. Look, these guys, when they come on campus for their visits, I'm sure they get hungry. And if they want a little snack that's better for them than a candy bar, they should check out Built Bars. I don't know if you've tried them, John, but they're fantastic. They've got puffs, which are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein you know duck fans i load these up in my golf bag i've even got a golf shirt rocking today shout out oregon women's golf that won the pac-12 championship for the first time in program history the other day go to built.com right now use promo code lock 15 and get 15 percent off your order of built bars that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com we got to the offensive guys, John. Now let's go to the other side of the ball, where Oregon fans, I think, rightfully expect are going to get a lot of big-time recruits with Dan Lanning, You know, maybe even more so than, than the offense. I think that's why it's essentially encourage or especially encouraging when they get a big time offensive recruit like Kyler Casper, if they can get Jaden Rashada, because when you have Dan Lanning as your head coach, you're going to tend to recruit that side of the ball a little bit more heavily. And obviously I'd love for Oregon to be able to get high caliber players on both sides, but there's some, there's some targets on the defensive line and in the secondary as well, but particularly up front, which is what that Georgia defense was known for that, that front seven was, one of the best we've ever seen in college football as of late. They were ridiculous. So those are the sorts of players we should expect Dan Lanning to go after, right? And there will be two in town for the spring game that are in the class of 2023. Let's start with Jaden Wayne. We've talked about him before here on the show. What's the latest in his recruitment, the Seattle area native? I think he's the most well-traveled kid in the country. I mean, the kid's taken a ton of recruiting visits. So again, Talk about a Pacific Northwest kid, Seattle kid, big for him to take in this Ducks spring game. Oregon has, has long been, along with USC, the favored choice for him if he stays on the West Coast. But kind of like Rashada, it's become such a national battle that it's a really big deal to get him back on campus. If you built kind of, a, you know, we do all these features at SI, like, who you know, who's the can't-miss recruit for every school I mean, Jaden Wayne might be that guy from multiple schools. So if, if you're wondering about the talent 
I think that tells you, you know, Washington, he'd probably be that guy. I think Oregon, he'd probably become that guy maybe after the quarterback position. You know, this is a priority guy uh, that everyone's trying to keep on the West Coast, uh, particularly the Ducks. And he's very familiar you know, with Oregon. Like I said, he's well-traveled elsewhere. So obviously he's taken in the Pac-12 uh, quite a bit, but he's, he's, he's taken a lot of visits recently, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, USC. Uh, so he's going to get that comparative analysis going when he visits the Ducks. So I, I think that atmosphere will play well uh, with Jaden. Uh, and look, this program has been able to recruit pass rushers relatively consistently. They're about to have one go pretty high in the draft. I mean, it's depending on where you look, you know, uh, Kayvon's going to go pretty high. So I think that plays well from a timing standpoint in the final pitch to uh, a Jaden Wayne. Not that this is the last time he's going to visit Oregon, uh, but again, getting him on campus, a very big deal. You know, he's, he's publicly said Bama leads, um, but again, this is a kid that's that's been going through the process for several years and taken so many visits um, that you wonder if that still stands at this point. Um, and, and in all indication, he's not ready to shut things down just yet. So getting more visits out of him uh, is paramount for Dan Landing and company. And like you said, there is an expectation that, hey, that side of the ball is going to be taken care of, kind of like how we used to view Oregon on offense. Hey, don't worry about it. It's Oregon. They're an offensively explosive team. We assume that on defense, but you still got to go do it. And you still got to go do it with guys that are coveted by your former program, uh, by schools in the SEC, by USC. You still got to go beat the Blue Bloods for top defensive recruits, even if you're known for coaching on that side of the ball. And Jaden Wayne will be the beginning of that case study, I think, uh, for this cycle, uh, along with a couple other guys. Yeah, and I said he's from Seattle. He might be Tacoma area. I don't remember that specifically, but regardless, it's state of Washington. And yeah. I, I can't remember the last time the state of Washington was putting out two guys who had such big time national recruitments, Jaden Wayne and then Josh Connerly, who the Ducks were able to get. And that that would be a very, very nice addition to the class of 2023. It would be one of the headliner recruits, but another guy on the defensive line who could be that for the Ducks, who will be at the spring game this weekend, is is a guy by the name of David Hicks. He's one of the top defensive linemen in the country. Big, big time player who, who has a chance to, you know, really go to a team and make an immediate impact. What, what makes him that caliber of player and where does Oregon stand with him right now? I think versatility. I mean, he's a guy that he can scream off the edge like, like a Jaden Wayne, but he's much more compact, barrel chested and built for the trenches. And again, look, we know the mentality that landing and company are coming to build with Tosh Lupoy included. It's an inside out mentality. You're going to build up front first and then go from there. So you, you need your flashy edge types but you need your guys who are a bit more compact on the outside as well. I think that's where David Hicks has become one of the most coveted recruits in the country. Another kid who is well-traveled, who's been kind of everywhere from the state of Texas, prioritized by those in-state schools. So that always brings another level of competition to the recruiting game. But he's branched out and taken some, some trips further from home. I think this will be probably the furthest going up to Eugene. Um, and you just never know with a kid like that when will you get him back on campus? You just don't know because it's so competitive. So many schools playing for official visits, things like that. You have to take advantage of this, this initial visit uh, because you, know, you just don't know when you might get him on campus again. And again, just like we said with Wayne, if you're going to contend with these big time programs, uh, you, you better do it for out of state recruits. You better do it for national recruits. And, and David Hicks defensively outside of a couple guys is, is among the most coveted defensive recruits, period in this class of 2023. So even getting the visit here says a lot, but you do have to take advantage of it. 
Well, John, we appreciate the insight as always here on Locked on Ducks. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Recruiting for Sports Illustrated. We will be having you back basically every week and every time that uh, that you're available for all that you bring to the show. Thanks, John. Thank you, Spence. Always love having John on the pod. You will continue to hear from him because, as you can tell, he brings a lot of great insight and analysis. So let's get to our final position group previews ahead of the spring game this Saturday, which I just cannot wait for. Oh, it is going to be so, 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 so much fun. But we've got two more position groups to get to, linebackers and defensive backs. Let's start with the final members of the front seven. So linebackers right now going into the spring game this weekend are – Number one, Noah Sewell. I think we remember that one. Number 10, Justin Flo, who should play in the spring game. Now, if he doesn't, I wouldn't be too concerned. I also you know, don't need to see him necessarily. I'm more excited to see guys who I don't have as many questions or I have more questions about or we just don't know that much about. Justin Flo is not one of those guys because <laughs> we uh, we know exactly what Justin Flo is capable of. But he'll be wearing number 10 once again. Keith Brown, number 21. Devin Jackson, number 26, Adrian Jackson, number 29, Jeffrey Bossa, gosh, I'm excited for him, number 33 once again, Harrison Taggart, the freshman, number 34, Michael Roth, number 35, Jackson LaDuke, a name who's been around for a good amount of time here at Oregon football, number 42, and TJ Gilbert, number 56. I think outside of offensive line, this is probably Oregon's most talented unit, I don't know about deepest because there are some questions, but just the the starters that I only have, you know, questions about guys who are uh, behind the starters. But as a unit, if you're starting three guys are Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, Jeffrey Bossa. I don't know if there are a lot of units that can match that in the pack. 12 heck, maybe even in the country. I mean, those are two, maybe three Sunday caliber players. I think Bossa maybe as, uh, a strong safety, but Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, those are Sunday guys. And I just have so few questions other than one big one. Are they going to stay healthy? Noah Sewell battled injury last year. Justin Flo hardly played, but when he was just absolutely electrifying there on defense. And when you think about Dan Lanning, the defense that he had at Georgia and how good they were and you know, that's basically the reason they won the national championship because their offense was, you know, kind of pedestrian. It was capable, but it was not their calling card by any means. They did it with really, really good defensive players who were NFL caliber guys, who were big bodies, who were fast. And that's what Noah Sewell and Justin Flo are. And we know what they are. And I don't think that they've had bad coaching per se over the last several years, but it's safe to assume that Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy are going to be able to elevate that just given their track record in college football. So I'm excited to see these guys play. And we were robbed last season of seeing Noah Sewell, Justin Flo and Kevin and Kayvon Thibodeau on the field at the same time, because that's as good a front seven, or at least the building block of a front seven as Oregon has ever had. You'd have to go back probably to the DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead defensive line, but their linebackers are not nearly as good as Noah Sewell and Justin Flo. So I'm excited for those guys. And Jeffrey Boss is just sideline to sideline. He covers well. He's got great speed, tackles in space, very instinctual. I just don't have a lot of questions about this unit other than you know, some guys behind we haven't seen a ton from. 
And are they going to be able to stay healthy? That's really it. But there are a lot worse questions to be asking about a particular unit. I'll ask a few of them about the defensive backs after I tell you all about Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's get to the defensive backs. And this is a giant question mark because last year, by the end of the season, the starting DBs were DJ James. He's gone. Mikhail Wright. He's gone. Verone McKinley. He's gone. Was a first team All-American. And strong safety, it kind of fluctuated. Sometimes it was uh, sometimes it was Jeffrey Bossa. There was Bennett Williams in there. There was Jamal Hill, Steve Stevens. You know, there was a rotating run through of guys who who played those safety positions last year. Part of that was injuries, and part of that was that there wasn't you know a, a second safety. Right, McKinley was always there, and I don't think he had a major injury last year. But the other safety slot, it was not a, a consistent. It was not a consistent lineup. They, they were rotating guys in and out a lot. But just like every other position, and this list is a little bit longer, fair warning, we'll run through the guys with their numbers so you can know who you will be watching this Saturday in the spring game. Christian Gonzalez, number zero, might be our best corner right now. He's certainly the most proven all-pack 12 honorable mention last year. He's number zero, number four, Damon David. The freshman, number six, Jaleel Florence, could see a lot of him in the spring game. Steve Stevens, mentioned him a moment ago, will wear number seven once again. Triquez Bridges, number 11. Brian Addison, number 13. Bennett Williams, number 15. Dondrell Brooks, number 16. Jamal Hill, number 19. Number 22, Darren Barkins, a name that you will hear if you hear, if you listen to shows like this one or others talk about the Ducks as someone who hasn't seen a lot of playing time, but maybe has a good amount of potential. Jonathan Flo, the brother of Justin Flo, is number 25. Marco Vitakovic, number 27. Avante Dickerson, 28. Donovan Dalton, the Hawaii transfer, number 30. Timon Davis, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, number 36. Max Wasaki, number 37, or Wysaki, number 39, Dane Sipos, and number 43, Devin Morrow. So those guys there at the end, you can probably imagine, not the not the big names that we expect to see in the defensive backfield this year for Demetrius Martin and Matt Powledge and Tosh Lupoy and Dan Ladding and that entire defensive staff. So Gonzalez, like I said, might be the best corner that we have. He's the one I at least the most confident about just lining up and going plug and play. He's got a history with Coach Martin going back to their time at Colorado. He was productive in this conference last year. Guys tend to only get better, though I will say from 2020 to 2021, I thought Mikhail Wright took a step back, though I still expect him to get drafted in the fifth round of, of the NFL draft this year. Damon David, a former four-star guy, I believe, if I'm re remembering correctly. You can hop in the comments, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that is uh, what he was recruited as. Haven't heard a lot from him over the last couple of seasons, but this spring game might be an opportunity to show the coaches what he can do because they're going to want to play as many players as they can. And you're not going to play the starters a ton because you don't want to risk injury, right? Or guys that you project are going to be stars. But that's the interesting thing about this defensive backs unit for Oregon. We don't know who the starters are going to be. We have rumors. We have reports, right? We can read stuff about, oh, so-and-so was really good. This guy was good. And put that in the context of what they've done during their careers at Oregon so far. 
but it doesn't mean that that we know for certain because we don't have an official depth chart. Dan Lanning has made that very, very clear. So Steve Stevens, a guy who will probably play more safety than, than people realize. He got a good amount of playing time and I think was was solid, not great, but solid in, in that game against Ohio State. Um, he's coming off of an injury, so that limited his time last year, but he has said that, that he's good to go. Jalil Florence, we all want to see him, right? I mean, anytime you get a freshman recruit like that and it's a recruiting battle with USC and the Ducks end up winning it and he's pretty highly rated four-star recruit, that's a guy who, you know, we, we want to see what, what his chops are, right? So to speak, if I'm using that phrase correctly, I don't even know. But we want to see what he's got. And so I expect him to play a pretty good amount in the spring game and, and get a chance because he's an early enrollee. And so he's already there, whereas I don't believe his teammate Jaleel Tucker is quite yet. Here are the most interesting guys who, in, in reading practice reports and following along with Oregon football this spring, are causing quite a bit of buzz, as they say. Now, Bennett Williams is one of them because he was a playmaker last year before he got hurt, thought about going to the NFL, decides to come back. He's a versatile guy. You can line him up as a nickel or a slot back, or you can play him at safety. He looked good when he came back and played in the Alamo Bowl. He had a big hit and a forced fumble that, you know, I'm pretty sure the ball is still on the ground. It was there for so long. Anyway, but number 11, Triquez Bridges, number 13, Brian Addison. Those are two names to watch because the safety position, both of them are wide open. They're, they're wide, wide open. There was never a consistent strong safety last year. Brian Addison played it a little bit, but he, he was not a regular starter week in and week out. And the free safety was Verone McKinley's spot, and he's gone now. So Triquez Bridges had converted to a corner after being recruited as a safety, but now it seems that because of positional need, they're going to put him back at safety and from what I've heard he looks pretty good and comfortable in that area which you would expect because that's his former position I think they moved him over to corner because he's a big body he's about six three six four and Oregon typically hasn't had those sorts of bodies on the outside and so I think that was you know a worthy experiment to, to go for and it's not that he wasn't capable over there it's just that right now the secondary has a greater need at the safety position than they do at, at corner because there's just more guys on the list who can play corner, right? Jamal Hill is sort of a nickel dime corner. He can maybe play a little safety, but you've got Darren Barkins in there, Avante Dickerson. There, there's just a number of bodies. And the name you're not hearing right now is Dante Manning. We should not expect to see him in the spring game. That was the last report that I heard coming from Dan Lanning and, and practice was that he is not expected to play and it's not expected to be a serious injury, but they're keeping him out. Precautionary measure. Totally on board with that. I'm, I'm 100% supportive. If he doesn't have to play, he he doesn't need to. And so I, I think Manning and, and Gonzalez are the guys who you would imagine are going to be the top two corners. But I think the room is wide open. And though it's not completely fair and whatnot, Manning's injury does provide an opportunity for other guys to step up and show what they can do more than they were otherwise going to get to do, right? Because it just creates more reps at practice. Coaches get to see more, more opportunities to make plays, and you can move up the depth chart. But these are the names that that you want to be looking out for. I, I think Triquez Bridges and Brian Addison have been doing really good things at safety. I'll be very interested to see how they are deployed and, you know, just how, how they handle themselves out there. I mean, Addison had an interception last year, very nearly had another one against Colorado. He came to Oregon as a wide receiver, but he switched over to the defensive backfield. 
There have been guys in this conference and even on this team who have had success with that before. Jeff Mail went the other way. Remember, he was a three-star cornerback recruit. Ends up playing wide receiver, and that went really, really well. So I, I'm a fan of guys crossing over, playing both sides, you know, Charles Nelson style. I mean, not you know playing receiver and then going over and playing safety. I don't need guys to do that like Charles Nelson did. But swapping sides of the ball, positional versatility, I think that's fine because sometimes – you know, guys are good at one position, but maybe they'll be great at another. And uh, I think Triquez Bridges and Brian Addison have, I don't want to say the, the inside track on the starting safety jobs, but that they, they are players who continue are continually mentioned in, in practice reports because they're making plays and, and coaches are talking about them. And so that's why I talk about them right here on the pod. I appreciate everyone listening. Enjoy the spring game this weekend. We'll have a full recap and insight next week as well. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.